Isn't it great to be part of a family? Yeah, you can be seated there where you just see Jesus changing lives and going, God, it doesn't matter. We're never too far from you for you to restore and to renew us. What a great God we have. And thank you, team, for leading us in worship uh, today. Let's, uh, let's pray, and, and we'll just pray for these ones who are baptized as well, as well as for ourselves. Jesus, for each one who took that step of going public with their faith today, we pray that you will allow their roots to go deep, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit each day. And Lord, that your word would become the foundation of their lives and that their light would shine brightly for you, Lord, thank you. Guard them from the attacks of the enemy and may they walk in victory, we pray. Thank you for your forgiveness when we mess up, giving us new opportunities. Lord, there are some maybe listening today going, I, I, I'm not really there yet. Um, I thank you that they're here today or watching online. And God, I pray that, that you would just continue to show yourself to each one. Thank you that you're a God who loves to express forgiveness, uh, to allow us to see life from your perspective. How do we deal with suffering and brokenness? And Lord, that you give us the big picture, and I pray that those who are considering a relationship with you, Lord, would take that step and, and would find you to be their greatest joy. Lord, as we spend time with family and friends this weekend ahead, we pray that your love would just flow through us, even when it's hard, that uh, God, you would shine through us, we pray, and and that your heart would be sensed by those around us. And then, Lord, for a world in need, as we look around and we hear about ongoing conflict and war in South Sudan and in Ukraine and in Israel and Gaza, and God, our hearts ache. Every single person in these places, they're made in your image. They matter to you. So, Lord, in the, in the Bible, we see how you would use people who didn't even know you as your instruments, government leaders, kings, Lord, do it again. Uh, for those who are leading in governments, uh, cabinets, military officers, Lord, we pray that they would be led by you and that you would bring a resolution to these conflicts. Uh, Lord, thank you that you're never overwhelmed, whether within our lives or in the world today. And so we just thank you we can bring anything to you. Would you teach us now, we pray, Jesus. We just want to say again, we, we trust in you, in your name, amen. I just, I love baptism. Some of you are family members of these ones, and whether this is new for you or you're like, oh, I couldn't wait for this moment, really glad to have you here. You know what it does to the heart of God when we take steps, like when we put our trust in him and just go, Jesus, I'm leaving my old way behind, I'm following you, maybe we take the step of baptism to declare our faith. There's, there's a verse in Luke, Jesus is speaking about He's saying, this is what happens in heaven and with your father's heart when you turn to him. And here's what, he, here's what he says. He says, there is joy in the presence of God's angel when what? Even just one sinner repents, right? That's you, that's me. That the day that I put my trust in Jesus, it was like a party in heaven uh, be, because I put my trust. That's how much he loves me. Uh, th there's a picture that I, I really love that I just saw this week. That's my grandson up in the air. 
and that's my son-in-law who uh, is throwing him on the beach, and they're playing ball. I don't know how they did that all at the same time. I'll tell you how it ended. Um, he caught him, and the first thing my little Teddy goes is, do it again, do it again, right? And you see the delight. I mean, they're laughing, you know, and they're just father loves son, son loves father. Do you know that's the way your father sees you? Like your father in heaven, even whatever kind of relationship you've had with your earthly dad, that your father in heaven, here's what it says in the book of Zephaniah. I love this. It says, the Lord your God, when you trust in, in, in the Lord, it says this, the Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. It's almost like he's got you up in the air going, you can trust me, I'm gonna catch you. And he just loves you that much. Like he loves when you come into his family. And really it's what being a Christian is all about. It's having Jesus Christ in your life he wants us to live every day in relationship with him. It's life with Jesus. That's what the Bible says. At the core of Christianity, it's not merely a set of beliefs. It's not a set of just obligations. At the core, it's a relationship with the one who died and rose again in your place. It's life with Jesus. What does that mean? I'm gonna look at what the Apostle Paul says. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you can either use a paper Bible or some of you have downloaded the Bible app on your phone. It's free. It's amazing. I use it every day. And, uh, and we're going to see what Paul says here. We're in the final message of this series. We've gone through the book of 1 Corinthians, and the apostle Paul is writing to a church that's in a culture that is far from God, and there's tension within the church, and it's how do you navigate life's rapids and stay centered on Christ? And that's really what we want. Whatever you're facing in life, whatever we face in society, how do you navigate that? And how do you stay centered on Jesus Christ? And so we're going to look and see what Paul uh, says here. Uh, so a little bit of context. He's concluding this letter that he's written, and as a lot of letters do at the close, he just sort of deals with a number of comments, last-minute comments to make. But his point, I think we could say, is this. He wants us to do life with Jesus. He's just finished in the previous chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 talking about the reality that Jesus Christ did not stay dead. There's evidence, he says. There's eyewitnesses. There's, and, and he says, this is at the core of our faith. If it did not happen, we're idiots for believing it. And if it really did happen, we'd be foolish not to give it attention. That's what he says that if Jesus is alive today, we made this statement last week. In fact, I'd love for you to say it aloud with me. You'll see it here on the screen. Would you say it with me? Let's say it together. Ready? If Jesus was raised from the dead, everything is going to be all right. Like if you trust in Jesus and you know that he rose again from the dead, there's nothing too hard for him. And when you have a relationship with him, you put your trust in him, you say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you claim to be. I believe that what the scriptures teach are what really happened, that you really lived a perfect life, you're God himself, you died, you rose again, you're coming again. And the moment I put my trust in you, Jesus, your Holy Spirit comes and lives in me, that has a dynamic impact on the way that you live your life. And I, I think it could summarize what Paul talks about here at the end of this letter. So let's begin verse one. What's the overflow of what it means to have Christ in your life? 
You might be surprised at what he talks about here to start off the passage. He says in verse 1, now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. When you do life with Jesus, it, it means that you practice the grace of giving. Like you're just marked by generosity. Paul and Jesus talk a lot about this. Paul in the next letter to the Corinthians writes this. Most of chapter 8 and 9 are about this. In chapter 9 he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, like if I'm really tight-fisted about giving to others in need, I'll reap sparingly, and if I sow or give generously, I'm going to reap generously. Like he's saying, there's all these promises that he gives about generosity. Here's the question. Why do you think Paul and Jesus talk about like generosity as much as they do? Like Jesus mentioned a lot about this. In fact, he said on one occasion in Matthew chapter 6, he says, where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. So if my treasure, if I invest everything in my house, my heart's going to be for my house, right? If I invest in, in this amazing car, nothing wrong with a car and a house, but, if, but if, I, if everything is going and there's no generosity in my life, then I become all about my possessions, it's about me, it's about my future. But when I'm investing in, in things that I go, God, you're working in people's lives, like you're changing lives at Lorraine Correctional. We love you guys. Uh, we're so glad that you're part of our church family. You're investing in Remember New and helping to protect kids who are at risk for sex trafficking. You're, you're invest, whatever you, wherever you invest, when you do that, it says where your treasure is, your heart's gonna follow and you're like, God, I get to be a part of what you're doing there. So your giving becomes sort of a barometer of the, of the level of, of your spiritual health. Paul picks up uh, on that, and, and he gives us some practical input here in these first couple of verses. He says two things about your giving. First of all, give consistently. He says on the first day of every week. You might say, does it have to be on the Sunday? It might be like every payday, or it's once a month, or whatever you get paid. That He's just saying, don't make it sporadic, don't make it haphazard. He says, be, be consistent in what you do. Received an email from a guy at Grace, and he gave me permission to share his story anonymously. And here's what he writes. He says, Pastor Jonathan, I've been taking the financial peace class at Grace. For the past several years, I've been struggling to tithe, like giving 10% of what I earn. He says, I always thought that I needed that money to pay off bills and get out of debt. When I did my first budget, I put aside my 10% and kept thinking, I'll just use that money to pay off my bills. Once they're paid off, then I'll start tithing again. My money won't make a big difference. Then through the financial peace class, class we offer here a couple times a year. And through something you said one Sunday, I had a wake-up call. It's amazing how clearly God speaks to us whether or not we want to listen. After that, I decided I had been doing my finances wrong for so many years, and I now plan to leave everything in his hands. It showed me that even though it may not be a bunch of money in the grand scheme of things, it is still used to do his work and can make a difference. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate grace as a whole and what an impact going there has made on my life. There's a guy whose spiritual health is what? Going up. He's going, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this area of my life. How much do we give? Paul says here in verse 2, a second principle, he says, give proportionally. He says, in keeping with your income. He's saying, if, if you make a lot of money, you give more. If you make less money, you give less. Uh, and and I, I want to share a verse that uh, struck me this past week. Um, and Mary and I give first to, to Grace 
uh, our church family because it's where we and our church, our kids have been, uh, you know, spiritually nurtured. And then we give over and above that to other kind of things like, you know, Remember New or the City Mission and stuff like that. And, and there's a verse that Mary shared with me a while ago. And, and listen to what Paul says about the source of our giving. This is in Philemon, a little one-chapter letter that he writes. And he says this, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from what? From your faith, from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Do you see that? He's saying, he says, generosity flows out of your faith. If you believe that God is big enough, like the letter I just read, to keep his promises when you're generous, then you're gonna go, wow, I'm just gonna give back to God like a portion of what he's entrusted to me. It's a sign of growing faith. The corollary of that is this. If I'm really like, I, I, I don't trust, I can't do that, that would be way crazy, then it shows what about my faith? That my faith is sort of, is sort of weak, it's, it's struggling. So Paul says, give consistently, give proportionally, and you'll watch your faith grow and you'll see your heart be expanded in new ways. That's one. Doing life means having just a generous heart. Second thing that Paul talks about here in the next several verses, verses three to 12, he talks about his travel itinerary. He mentions wanting to go to Corinth and to visit the city and the church again. He talks about his friends Timothy and Apollos. And then if you look down at verse 13, he says this. This is another outflow of Christ living in you. He says in verse 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Here's another aspect of life with Jesus. You stand strong knowing that he lives in you. It's like Paul is giving us marching orders. When you get up each morning, it's like, I'm gonna be on guard because I'm not gonna lose sight of reality. I am in a battle and you have this sense of, strength and, and awareness that, that man, I, I, there's a spiritual world here, and I have the authority of Jesus Christ in my life. On what basis can I say that? Back in Matthew 28, when Jesus is giving a final word to his followers, to us, to his, before he ascends to heaven, he tells his followers this. He's just risen from the dead, and he says, all authority in where? In, in heaven and on earth, which pretty much covers what? like everything, right? He's going, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. You go, okay, they belong to Jesus. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, and surely I am with you, what? Always to the very end. So that means this, listen, if you've put your trust in Jesus, he's with you and you have all of the authority and the, the confidence and the courage of Jesus it's not just you, it's him living in you and the one who spoke in the storms were, were calm. The one who spoke and, and a man began to is the same Jesus who lives in you. That means that, you know, I don't know, where do you wish you had more courage? Maybe someone asked you, you know, you're at a gathering, a reunion this week or something, they go, hey, what do you believe? You know, anyhow, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be, and you're trying to figure out and you just go, God, give me courage. You're with me right now. And you say, you know, I've invited Jesus into my life and I can just tell you he's made all the difference. I'm, I'm forgiven, I just feel free, I've got purpose in my life and I know where I'm gonna go when I die. It's just, he's changed me. And you go, that takes courage. That's what he wants to give you. When you face temptation and you go, man, like I just, I used, this was my old kind of pattern and, and he wants to give you the authority that he had to say no to sin and say yes to Jesus it might be that you're standing by your convictions when you're with 
someone and they're wanting you to sort of be dishonest in the workplace and you just go, you know, I just want you to know you can trust me in all things and if I did that, you'd wonder where would I be willing to fudge in something else. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I, I can't do that because I wanna honor God and I would want you to know that, that you can trust me even when it's hard. Um, you have, friends, all of the authority of Jesus Christ with you. You can be courageous. You know what, how that ought to make us feel? Um, like this cat right here. Take a look at this right here. Isn't that great? What is that cat's inner identity? You may think I look like a cat, but on the inside, I'm a what? I'm a lion. I, put the, I don't even like cats, but I like that picture. I just offended like half of you, you know, you're but I look at that and I go, you know what? You may see me and I look like Jonathan, like any old human being, but inside, I have the authority and the person and the power of Jesus Christ living within me. Who is Jesus? I love the way that author and artist Shai Lin uh, reminds us who Jesus is. Listen to what he says. Jesus is the God glorifier the universe creator, the prophecy fulfiller, the perfect law obeyer, the scripture validator, the father honorer, the humility moderer, uh, modeler, the, the cross carrier, the sin bearer, the death conqueror, the grave defender, the salvation achiever, the prayer answerer, the proud humbler, the weak strengthener, the triumphant returner, the Satan destroyer, and the eternal joy giver. Amen? Amen. Jesus is king. And if you've invited him in, he lives within you. When you do life with Jesus, you can have courage and confidence no matter what you face. One more exhortation from Paul. What it looks like to do life with Jesus. It speaks to our motives. Why do we do what we do? Like whatever we do in life. It's four simple words. And, and yet living out these words can dramatically shape the way you live and infuse your life with, with meaning. Here's what Paul says in verse 14. These four words that you're gonna see in, in white there. Can we read those together starting with do? Ready? Do everything in love. Life with Jesus means whatever you do, you do it in love. That word in the Greek, everything, you know what it means? It means everything, that's right. That's exactly what it means. That means when you're watching a football game this afternoon, that's a pretty big game, and you're watching with someone else who's rooting for a different team, do everything in love, right? Your relationship with them is more important than your allegiance to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching to myself right here, I'm, come on. <laughs> when you pick up after someone, you can do it in love. When you're hanging out with someone this weekend that you go, I don't particularly like this person, but I can do it in love. When that person on the highway messes with you, you know, and cut you off, you can just say, Lord, <laughs> you love that person. I may not right now, but you do, right? When you go to work, you might even be your own boss, but whatever you do, you can say, Lord, um, and whatever you think of the boss maybe you do have, you can say, Lord, ultimately, I'm doing this out of love for you. This isn't just to earn a paycheck. This isn't every customer with whom I interact, God, I can do it with love. Every person that I, I meet at, in, in a grocery store, wherever I am, he says, do everything. When you do life with Jesus, 
you do everything in love. What's the secret to that? You go, Jonathan, that's so hard. You, you let love flow out of your relationship with Jesus. You know, I love the verse in, in Romans chapter five where it says that by the Holy Spirit, that God, he pours love into our hearts. He pours love into our hearts. He's not asking us to drum it up ourselves. It's the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God living within you. He pours out love into your life and just says, just love with the love that I've given to you. When you do life with him uh, and you, you let his word instruct you and remind you, you know, I think of Jesus and how Jesus, when he saw people, uh, people are never your enemy, by the way. The devil is your enemy. People might be caught in the trap of the enemy, but people are never your enemy. Paul says, your enemy is not flesh and blood, people. But when Jesus saw people, he didn't see just the crusty outside or whatever. It says he looked out on the crowd and he saw them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without what? A shepherd. And he was, he was filled with compassion. And, and, and when you see beyond the outer behavior and you just go, God, there's a person for whom you died. You want them to be part of your family. God, help me to do everything in love. What does it look like to do life with Jesus? A few of the things Paul talks about here. You practice the grace of giving. You take time to serve others. You stand strong knowing that he lives in you and you let everything flow from love. Here's what I wonder. What if those were more true in our lives? What if we dialed those up this week? Don't you think there'd be people around us who go, you know, there's something about the way that you interact with people. Like, I don't know, I just, I look at your life and I know you're a person of faith and I just want you to know, I think you're like the real deal. That happened to someone recently here in the Grace family. I was talking to a woman uh, this week and she told me about a phone conversation she had with her adult son. I'll close with this. She's talking to her adult son who, who doesn't live with them and, um, and he had her on speakerphone. And what she didn't know was that uh, in this sort of, it was a tender, sort of a tough conversation. She's talking to him. His friend is listening in. The phone call wraps up and the friend who's not a follower of Jesus, he comes to the son, adult son, and he goes, hey, I, I'm sort of sorry, but I couldn't help but overhear the conversation with your mom. I just want you to know, like, the way that your mom showed a lot of kindness like in a tough conversation, I know your mom's a person of faith, that really, like really moved me. Like that might be the first Christian I've ever seen who's like not judgmental and has kindness like that. Sort of a sad commentary, isn't it? But at the same time, she had no idea that there was someone else listening in. But her behavior in that moment had huge impact. Here's what I wonder. What do others see in me and in you when we don't know that they're looking? What do they hear from me and from you when we don't realize they're listening? Do they see something where they say, you know, I don't, I don't know quite how to describe it, but, but you're like a really genuine person. There's something attractive about your life that you 
perhaps we'll have a reason, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3, to give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ. Isn't that what you want in your life? I can tell you it's what I want for myself, it's what I want for you, that, that our lives would be so wrapped up with Jesus, the living, resurrected Jesus, that other people would see something about him and us, and it would make them want to know more and perhaps come to the one who gave his life for them. Let's pray and ask him to make us so in our lives. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you modeled these in a beautiful way. You're generous. Like you, give, you gave your life. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing to serve others. Thank you for the courage that you showed when you faced people who really hated you and despised you and even put you to death. And thank you that everything you do, Lord, we can say you, you do everything in love. So Lord Jesus, what we believe you're asking of us is to really live your life. But thank you that you come and you live that life within us. We just invite you by your Holy Spirit to make us more like you, Jesus. Would you come and, and just have your way in our lives, uh, that, that you'll be honored, that there will be great joy in your heart as you see us say yes to you. And Lord, that indeed others would want to know more. Thank you that you're a faithful God. We just want to say we trust you. Thank you that when we mess up, you're patient with us. Uh, continue to empower us, Lord, and just keep on helping us to take the next right step, we pray in your name. And everyone said, amen. We're going to sing about his, just his great faithfulness. Let's stand together as the team leads us.